joining us on the Joe Show today, CBC Director of Arctic Colors, Kelvin Redvers. Author of her latest book, Hashtag FML, Gabrielle Stone. And Canadian actor, singer, producer, Wes Mack. Don't go anywhere, we have a great show for you, so keep it tuned here. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Joe Crawford Show. Joe Crawford here with you, and so glad that you can join us. We're almost at 10 episodes. We're getting close to it. 10 episodes of our 13th season. Actually, you might as well say, because we were on another station, did some episodes, and then this was like part B. We were on hiatus for the 13th season and then came back. Anyways, we just made this our new season. Let's just forget that. Why try to confuse you? Because I'm already confused enough as is. Oh my gosh. Anyways, we're counting through and yeah, we're almost at episode 10 with this season one. But we, we here's what happened. The Joe show was there and we rebranded and made the Joe Crawford show. But the Joe Crawford show, the Joe show all together is basically the same with some different similarities. But the thing is, is that I've been doing this for 13 years. I wasn't going to reset and go back to one. So this is why we said season 13. And, well, we've done over 400 episodes of the Joe Show, the Joe Crawford Show, whatever you want to call it, collaborated together. So, yeah. Almost hitting 500. I have to go back to the records to see how far back that would be. Anyways, another great episode that we're going to have for you today. I know that Valentine's has come and gone, but we have a fantastic author. Her first book, hashtag FML. FML. You know what that means? I'm going to say it. Plug your ears if you don't like it. Fuck my life. (laughs) Gabrielle Stone will be with us. Here on the Joe Crawford Show talking about, well, I always thought I had a bad breakup story, but oh my, she had even a worse one, and she wrote about it. It was very therapeutic, and her book is available now, hashtag FML, and so glad to speak with Gabrielle all about it. And then, CBC, I think the series is now over, and I talked with the director of Arctic Haulers a couple weeks ago, and my bad, and... We're trying to get everything in of the shows, and it's just been crazy. But I am so happy because of on-demand and apps on CBC Gem that you can binge-watch all these episodes, Arctic Haulers. And we speak with the director, Kelvin Redvers. And this is the people in Canada who live way, way, way up north. And only rely on once a year of supplies getting sent to them. And the stuff that happens, it's its remarkable. And how these people live up there, I, I don't even know how. And then Canadian singer and actor, and the man does a lot of things. And he has a new single that is out. We'll hear that too. Wes Mack will be with us. So we have a huge, great show for you here on the Joe Crawford Show. So... Make sure that you can listen to us anytime. So if you have to pause us, go ahead. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, through JoeCrawfordLive.com on the Joe Show tab. Give us a like also on Facebook forward slash Joe Show Live. It's always going to be free for you to listen. So we appreciate you to listen, like, 
and share. That's all we ask. Okay, we're going to take a break. Yes, we are. Producer's telling us, take a break. So let's do that. And when we come back, we have more. The Joe Crawford Show. And we're going to kick things off with Arctic Callers CBC Director Kelvin Redvers. So do not go anywhere. Don't take your love away from me. Don't you leave my heart in misery. If you go, then I'll be blue. What's breaking up this heart to do? Hi, this is Neil Sedaka, and you're listening to The Joe Show. Yeah, sweet calendar girl. Oh, changed because someone was there to get me to use drugs. No one can understand. People think that having someone who will listen makes it better. I need help. I'm listening. I need help. I think that having someone who will listen makes it better. People understand. No one can get me to use drugs. My life changed because someone was there to listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to turn addiction around. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Question, would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? And would you seat them in a car seat that's not the correct one? Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. More info at safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. People with a little bitty teeny weeny tiny Here's your sign. Hey, this is comedian Bill Ingvall from the States, but with a fake Canadian accent. You listen to my favorite radio show in Canada, The Joe Show. If you don't listen to the Joe Show, here's your sign. Here's your sign. Here's your sign. Welcome back to the Joe Crawford Show, and joining me right now is director of a fantastic seven-part series that is slowly wrapping up on CBC, and you can catch all episodes on CBC Gem called High Arctic Haulers, and director Kelvin Redvers is with us here on the Joe Crawford Show. Hello, Kelvin. How are you? Good. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. And I got to say, what an interesting program, an interesting series. And to kind of get not only, because I know there's a lot of things going on with indigenous issues right now across the nation, and especially climate change as well and that stuff, but how the northern Arctic people live and how scarce supplies are really that only once a year they're shipped supplies and that's going to last them a whole year. So tell me how this show came about high Arctic callers, because this is a very interesting series. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a fascinating topic. And so I am a northerner myself. So I, I was born and raised in the Northwest territories. And as a northerner, I, I've always known, you know, what makes the North unique, what makes the North interesting. And I've also also kind of felt that as a northerner, it seems like a lot of times southerners don't get kind of a true look at what the north is like. Um, and the north that I love, you know, I think a lot of times people will only see some of the negative stuff like social issues, and that kind of stuff. But there are challenges in the north. And, and one of the main ones is getting goods um, up to these communities. So in a lot of Nunavut and in Northwest Territories, in the high Arctic, basically, 
if you want to build a house or if you want to build a power plant or if you need a fire truck for your community, the only way that you can get those in is to wait for the ice to melt. And then these ships that can come up uh, once the ice has gone away, they have a narrow window of time to get everything that each of these communities could need um, for the year. So the stores wow. will get all of their stock for all of the canned goods that they, you know, they've planned for the year in terms of what they think they might need and like furniture and hardware and ammunition and vehicles, you know, so skidoos are big because people go on the land a lot. Um, or for example, in one of the communities, there's um, a fish processing plant, like the economy is fishing. And so they need the, the supplies to make their, um, to make their facility larger. They depend on this once a year service and the folks who work on these boats um, have a tremendously challenging job because it's the Arctic, you know, with unpredictable. Um, you can have snow in July, you know, you can have um, the ice um, ice flows break off from Greenland and, and, and float into your path, you know, in the middle of, of, of June or July and cause delays. And they need to get very quickly from Montreal, which is where they leave, and hit each of these communities where there's very little infrastructure. There's no docks that you can just go pull up to and start pulling your stuff out. They bring all of their own unloading gear. They bring tugboats, they bring barges, and they deliver everything that these communities need for the year. Wow. So, okay. And, and, and make mentionings of too, like the, the short window span that they have and due to snow happening in July and, and glaciers, especially with uh, the, the, I heard that, the warmest right now currently like the arctic is like 65 degrees fahrenheit and these glaciers are like breaking off like nothing and going to be an issue i think even for the summertime how long does it take to go from montreal to these communities and back to be able to do this service well the ships will do a series of trips throughout the throughout the summer. So at first they'll go and they'll hit kind of the more southern communities, like places like northern Quebec and in Hudson Bay. And it might be, you know, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks per trip. And they'll come back to Montreal and then they'll go to the further north communities, places like Greece Fjord, for example, which is the furthest north um, civilian community in North America. Um and the crew members have to be prepared for anything that might happen in that, you know, five week, six week period, because, you know, you're not close to any city. If you're in the Great Lakes and you're doing deliveries, you're never too far away from a port. Um, and so these boats need to be very self-sufficient. And I think that's what makes uh, one of the things that makes it so interesting is to watch these captains and the crew members have to solve problems, you know, while they're kind of um adrift you know they're sort of in the middle of nowhere and and one of the recent episodes there was a water leak of some of their fresh water on board and a compart several compartments got filled with water and the pump that they needed to take it out was underwater um and so they had to kind of figure out how to solve this um problem because of the fact that you know you're you're in the north and you're kind of a long distance from anything so it makes for tremendously exciting and sort of nail-biting tv i think it's some of the most exciting tv you'll see anywhere whether like narrative or documentary and we also strive for authenticity like there's a lot of shows that are quote reality shows yeah but we strongly you know label this this is a documentary and i think that for example in in the first episode one of the ships 
get stuck in ice. And you'll see these phenomenal drone shots of this uh, ship filled with all the cargo for all the communities, um, literally locked in ice, where there's ice in every direction. And they, they can't move because they need to wait for the Coast Guard to come break through the ice so that they can get free to get to the next community. And um, honestly, it, it makes for riveting television. And the thing is, as, as you make a mention of this, you are not actually making that that water source leak happened on purpose. You're not calling in these glaciers to come in <laughs> on purpose and setting it all up. This is Mother Nature and and things are happening in time in real time as it's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think what what makes the show great is you get to both see the crew members on these ships figure out how to solve these problems, but also we get to spend time in the communities. So, for example, in in the pilot of the show. So, if anybody goes online and starts watching. One of the first stories is about Chesterfield Inlet, um, where we fall. We learn about the store and some of the people who manage the store, and we meet uh, a young or we meet a single month, a single mom who's waiting for a vehicle to come because she needs to drive her kids to school. Something I think a lot of us can, a lot of folks can relate to. Yep. But the heater went out on her previous truck, uh-huh. and you can't go to a dealership to buy a truck, so you have to buy it from Montreal, and then you wait six months. Um, you know, through winter and whatnot. (laughs) And there's also a story of of the high schoolers in the the community who are are building kayaks. You know, the North is the birthplace of the kayak. And so you get to see these teenagers who are excited to build kayaks and they're waiting for some lumber that's going to come up because... You know, there's no trees in the in the far north. So, um, whereas previously you would build kayaks at a whalebone, now, you know, they use lumber and they wait for it to come up on the sea lift. And I, as a northerner, I love allowing people to see a glimpse into some of these places because, for a lot of folks, you know, you know, in the suburban Ontario or wherever, people just don't know what these places are like. It might just be a big blank space when you look at a map and not really know who those folks are um, and, you know, what their dreams are and who the business people are and the entrepreneurs. And it's just exciting because you really feel the need for how the cargo is going to make lives better in the community as you watch the ship stuck in ice and going, holy smokes, (laughs) are they going to get there? (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like, I mean, us Southerners here, we're from Southern Ontario where we broadcast, but of course across uh, the nation, us Southerners obviously take advantage of what we have. We go to a car dealer, boom, we need that. This person's waiting six months for a vehicle. Or maybe there is, uh, like you said, no access to lumber. They got to wait so many, so many months. It's almost like a, a Christmas to them because they've waited for so long. So, what are these people doing? These citizens, natives, doing these individuals doing in that time frame? Like this mother, how is she like surviving? I guess six months with being able, being able not to take her kids to school or anything of that nature. Yeah, so she, in, so for, in that first episode, um, her heater went out in the middle of winter um, of her truck. And so, you know, it's January. She has to wait until the summer to get the vehicle. And what, what she did is she just kept using the truck. Um, you know, the kids would have to adjust their lives to, you know, be prepared to be, to not have any heaters if it's minus 30. And, you know, you, you endure and um, you go on. And I, you know, I think what's fantastic about, for example, in the communities where, you know, you're getting the deliveries of your soup cans and pastas or whatever, um, a lot of the Inuit folks, they hunt 
So um, there is still a bit, you know, the traditional lifestyle that they have. And we get to see some of, you know, folks going out and um, the Joe Haven episode, our camera guy went out with uh, um, this crew of community members and they had gotten a caribou. And so, you know, they, they've, they've lived and thrived in the Arctic for many generations. And so they know how to survive and they know how to thrive. But in terms of new developments and, you know, bringing things like upgrading an arena so that kids have more sports and that kind of stuff, those are the, the benefits, I think, that the Sealift is able to bring. One of the episodes, episode three, um, the arena has a dirt floor. And so in the summertime, once the ice melts, that whole building is kind of unusable. And they're bringing concrete in so that in the summer months when it's warm and there's no ice, they can do like floor hockey and, um, you know, soccer and that kind of thing. But because the ship was stuck in ice for a while, it's really dicey as to whether or not the concrete will come in time before winter because you can't set concrete when it's below freezing. And it's pretty precarious whether the concrete is going to come in or not. And, you know, the folks in the Arctic have been accustomed to, you know, just being patient, which I think that something a lot of us down south are not good at. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, absolutely. It's not a terrible skill to have to learn patience and, you know, to determination and hard work and, and waiting for things. And I think that's, you know, in, in cities, we d- we're not always connected to our neighbors. You know, we don't have some of the family connections. And I think that even though it's tough in terms of getting stuff up there in a lot of these communities, there's so much like folks look out for each other. And I think that that's something that audiences will really respond to is to have that sort of community warmth of seeing how folks look out for each other and how families stick together and they, they are resilient and they find ways, um, you know, while, while they wait. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and they would have to as well. I mean, because with the lack of or the limited, I should say lack of, but limited of resources that is there and to be able to not only the, 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 the boat crews to problem solve and do, but these community members to be problem solving and doing what needs to be yeah. done to make it last until the next shipping uh, season 12 months later, whatever the case may be, 11 months later to come to them to see how they live and and also to in, 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 ration, in rations as well because you don't want to be using up everything because you got another 10 months to go, another nine months to go. So within uh, certain portions as well, along with food or equipment or resources, it's, it's something that I think is really unique. And so are you guys going to be going then again this uh, summer to do another season to see how it continues on with this, uh, this shipping and with the sea lift? So at this point, uh, nothing has been confirmed yet. Uh, at this moment, I'll, 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 I'll keep my lips closed in terms of the, you know, what we know about the direction or not. But I think regardless that right now, anybody who hasn't seen the current episodes that I highly recommend going online, if you go to CBC Gem, um, you can watch um, all of the episodes. I believe right now it's season finale that's coming up. Um, Oh, apologies if, if there's a... Uh, That's okay. Sorry. Are you in the north or are you in Toronto or British Columbia? I'm, I'm, 
I'm I'm in Vancouver, so we're the we're based out of here. I've lived down in Vancouver for a while. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but yes, I highly recommend going online, um, watching all the seven episodes, and, and getting caught up. And then you can find our social media feeds on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and you can stay tuned for all the updates in terms of uh, what's coming next. Absolutely. So season finale uh, coming out soon, um, on Sunday night, eight p.m. on CBC, or if you miss it, it'll be on the CBC Gem. What, uh, without giving a lot, what can we see or expect from the season finale, possibly? Well, the season finale is some of the last runs before winter comes back. Um, and so the the ship crews are really pressed up against the clock because the ice isn't going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it gets snowier, it gets darker, their lives get a lot tougher, I think that the season finale is, is one of the uh, most exciting episodes um, of the whole uh, of the whole season. So it's uh, it's also great to see the reaction of these crew members as they get closer to the end, and and um, you know that they're they're a little fatigued, but the job still has to get done. What kind of difficulty, if you guys have had any shooting this? I mean, very, very cold up there. Did that affect any of the equipment? Or was there any uh, risk other than the fact that maybe, who knows, you're stuck because of icebergs and ice glaciers coming around and surrounding? But was there any kind of difficulty in shooting this, the high Arctic haulers? For the most part, we were filming in the summer months. And so... um, in terms of, you know, we, we didn't have a ton of minus 30, for example, because if it is June or July or August, uh, September, it's it's not the middle of winter. That said, um, when you're on the ships, and especially as you get to September, October, the snow starts to fly, there's ice in the way. Um, safety is always the top precaution. Um, but as crew members filming, we would run into a lot of the same problems that, you, that you're going to see the ship crews deal with. So for example, in some of the first few episodes, there's a ton of delays because weather keeps getting in the way, whether the winds are too intense for the ship to be able to anchor, to actually offload. Um, If us as uh, directors and camera folks are moving around the Arctic, we run into those same problems. We also have to make a bunch of kind of quick decisions in terms of, you know, we're uh, one of our crews got stuck in a Callaway or about a week um, trying to get to Pangerton to film. And instead of having four days uh, in the community before the ship arrives, you might land just as the ship is getting in there because the same winds that kept the ship from getting in are also keeping our crew members from flying, like from getting oh, in there because yeah, bad. And sometimes our, our gear just, you know, wouldn't show up or we'd, we'd be missing a bag or two. And um, we would have to make really quick decisions in terms of uh, what we wanted to focus on or what we were capable of doing. And it, you know, you, you got to be nimble um, in the Arctic and you got to be ready to adjust your plans. <laughs> well, this is very interesting. I've watched already uh, a couple episodes on CBC Gem. I haven't been able to watch them all uh, since I knew I was interview uh, going to be interviewing you. But it is an interesting concept. 
Uh, as a Southerner, it makes me, I guess, appreciate a little bit more down here our weather and our circumstances as opposed to the Northerners up there of what they are dealing with and going through and how their resources are sent to them. Uh, it gives a whole new perspective, I guess you could say, and also a, a, a thanks of gratitude of uh, what we have access here immediately as opposed to what uh, the Northerners have. But I hope everything goes well for another season because I would like to continue on seeing how this continues on and works on Kelvin and uh, wish you all the best. And again, hi, Arctic callers available on CBC gem, the season finale coming out uh, Sunday, 8 PM. And you can check out CBC gem for all the episodes. Kelvin, thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. And we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we have more of the Joe Crawford show. So do not go anywhere. Hi there, John O'Hurley here, Jay Peterman from Seinfeld, reminding you you're listening to The Joe Show. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I did the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Psst, it's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together. To get your high blood pressure to a healthy range, visit Heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. Raindrops are falling on my head. Hi, this is BJ Thomas, and you're listening to The Joe Show. Welcome back to the Joe Crawford Show, and joining me right now is uh, an author who has written about her experience. Taylor Swift writes breakup songs, and, well, this woman writes up a book. It's called Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML. If you don't know what that means, well, <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to my show, I guess. It's Fuck My Life, FML, the short form for it. And joining us is Gabrielle Stone. Hello, Gabrielle. How are you? Hello, I am fabulous. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And I was going to say Happy Valentine's Day, but kind of figuring on the basis of your book, kind of fuck Valentine's, I guess, because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I um, I this book, as much as it's, you know, coming out now, it was written two years ago, so I'm happy to say I'm on a different side of the earth. The fuck love journey. Oh, okay, <laughs> but, good, uh, good. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm all for you know the girls having their ga- Galentine's Day and uh, doing a little self love. Awesome. Well, let's talk about this book because this man, it is his name is Daniel, that ended up. Um, it was like a fairy tale relationship. It kind of ended up being with the beautiful wedding. Um, mom, who we've who we've had on the show before, D. Wallace, and um, it thought this was the one for you, and you had a honeymoon in Bora Bora. Like everything seemed to be well, and what the hell happened? 
Yeah, um, uh, we were married for almost two years after being together for five, and um, I found out he was having an affair with a 19-year-old for six months, and it shocked everybody in my life. Nobody saw it coming. Jesus, Lou, oh my God. So then, okay, so how do you end up finding, it's probably in the book, and I don't want to give too much of the book away, people can end up getting the book, eat, pray, hashtag FML, but how do you end up finding out with your great detective skills, I guess, with knowing that he has cheated on you for six months with a 19-year-old? Um, it was kind of a, a domino effect of things, but I originally, when I sat down to write the book, I wasn't going to include too much of it. I kind of just wanted to be like, yeah, I was married and he cheated on me, so I got a divorce and let's get into the real story. Um, and one of my girlfriends was like, no, Gabrielle, you have to write about how everything, how you found out it was like a fucking episode of CSI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did. Um, I went back and wrote all the details of it. But yeah, it was kind of like I found the first little breadcrumb and it just kind of went from there and got more and more shocking. I mean, he had a second phone and like, a whole double life that I didn't know about. It was really crazy. Oh my God. And now what is really the worst part. And I can kind of, I can't really fully resonate with you because I mean, you got married and that stuff, but the worst part of it all is like you got married and happened then after that. And it became a messy situation afterwards. Like you had to go through divorce and all that stuff. And I'm sorry that you didn't even go to even go through that. Yeah, divorce is definitely not fun. It takes you two seconds to get married and a lot longer to get divorced. Um, yeah. And it, it's really, it's more than, you know, the money that you spend on lawyers and everything, which is awful in itself, but it's really the emotional distress that, like, gets dragged out during those times. And, like, ours was technically easy. Like, we didn't have any kids. We didn't own anything together yet. So, and it was still really emotionally draining um, and hard. So I can't even imagine going through it with with kids or, you know, more assets together, if you will. Yeah, God bless. Well, the reason why I can resonate with you on this, now I never have been married, but a few years ago, now it's been about, oh, about a year and a half now, I'd say it'd be two years coming up in uh, August of this year, but a girl that I was with, I ended up taking to a couple's resort up here in Canada and she had no idea that I know of anyways. I mean, I got permission from her mom and from her son, who uh, was 16 or 17 at the time. And I was going to propose to her. And we go to the couple's resort. And this is the first woman ever I thought, hey, because I've had many different relationships. And I've had even longer relationships than I had with this woman. But this was the first one I ever thought, this was the one I want to spend the rest of my life with. We go to the couple's resort. The first night we're there, she breaks up with me. At, You're kidding. At the couple's resort. Yeah. Like, why even go on the trip? Right? <laughs> oh, my God. People are whacked, man. Yeah. And then I had to, like, feel, like I mean, we, we were there for two nights, three days, and that stuff. Yeah, it was free because I also performed there as well as I'm a performer. So the the stay was free. But yeah, the first night, but I and I was like, well, I didn't show her the ring, but I was like, well, that goes my plan. And then of course we had to sleep in the same bed for two nights. Good Talk Lord. about the coldest, hottest summer days on earth. Right. <laughs> so what even as a guy reading this book, I mean, so we never got married and went through that part, thank God. But, well, no, but you probably relate more to the second 
ordeal that happened after my marriage. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like the, like, it's probably like from left field, like you never even thought. And she was ending up, Yeah. she broke up with me, but she found another guy. At least she had the guts to break up with me that way. But still there was cheating along, but she said, we're done. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh. So it's crazy how many people have the similar experiences in this department. <laughs> yeah, and you probably are hearing that too, going around promoting this book as well. Oh, uh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is? Um, I mean, first of all, you also have an audio book that is the same. Eat, pray, hashtag FML. How long after since you've written the book? Did you do the 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 audio book? Because I mean that had to re. I mean now it's okay you're talking about it wherever else we're talking here on the show. But I mean you actually had to relive every word through that book. What was that like, and how long was the uh, the time frame of that to be able to do that? So the audio book um, it actually just released this past week. And, oh, okay, so uh, two I years recorded, later. I, yeah, I recorded it in um, last November, but it was at a very interesting time in my life that I was dealing with some specific people um, and going through some specific things. So it was very timely and appropriate how my life normally uh, happens. But it was a really crazy experience to read everything out loud and to kind of like go through step by step everything. Um, And it was oddly cathartic um, and and really fun. Like I had a a fun time recording it. Cause it's, you know, I, I have some distance from it now and it was, it, I have new perspectives on everything and it was very, it was fun for me to record. Did any of your emotions or rawness come through while reading and with it being recorded? Oh, totally. Yeah. No, this isn't like a normal audio book where it's just monotone, you know, or like contained the whole time. There's parts where I start crying. There's parts where I'm like laughing. It's, it's very much so read in the way that like my voice sounds in my head when I write. (laughs) Fantastic. So what possessed you to write this book then? I mean, horrible breakup, huge shock of what happened. I mean, well, yeah. So after I, after I found out about the divorce or that I was getting a divorce, um, I left the house and shortly after that I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other, had a whirlwind romance. And he convinced me to go on a month long trip to Italy with him. Uh, 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself. And what Gabrielle? Absolutely. Oh yeah. I was devastated. And, broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I was like, well, I can either stay at home and be heartbroken or I can go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I chose to go and I took a backpack and did six months over the span, or sorry, six countries over the span of the month and uh, wrote a book about it. And that's really what the book is about is this second relationship that I, that I fell into and then this wild journey that I ended up going on by myself. Um, it's very little to do with the actual divorce. That's like the kind of the two beginning chapters yeah. to kind of set the stage for how ridiculous the rest of the story goes. Um, but I, the second that I found out I was taking this trip solo, I knew I needed to write a book about it. Um, and I bought a leather bound journal and took it with me. I started writing the first day I landed in London and I wrote three fourths of the book on that Europe trip in my wow. journal and then copied it into my, computer when I came home and and went from there. So I I knew from the beginning that 
all the stuff that was happening to me was for a greater purpose and that I needed to kind of like get it out to the world to, to help some other people heal. Where are you finding these jerks? <laughs> yeah, you know, I have like a really um, good system that just picks them out of thin air and like <laughs> brings them to me. <laughs> like unbelievable. Wow. And so, okay, so you've written this book, then you're over in Europe, um, and then you come back over and you finish it off here. I love how it starts off, uh, you, you talk in reference to a little bit about Julia Roberts, and you tell her to fuck you too, or whatever else. Have you heard from Julia Roberts? I have not, but let me like clarify that that's at a part in the book where I'm referencing her character in Eat, Pray, Love, which obviously my book is a satirical play on yeah. um, the title. And um, I'm talking about a part where Julia Roberts' character is saying, like, has a man ever looked at you on vacation and said, put your clothes back on because you've been eating too much pasta? And I'm saying, well, no, but like, she never told you how unsexy you feel. So that's where the fuck you, Julia Roberts, comes in. I love Julia Roberts. Um, but no, I have not heard from her about this book. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Now, speaking with Gabrielle Stone, her book, Eat, Pray, Hashtag FML. And where, where can people get their hands on this book now, Gabrielle? So the book is exclusively on Amazon in paperback and ebook. So you can get the actual physical copy of the book on Amazon. Um, the audio book that I narrate is up on Audible and any you know major audio bookstore uh, places online where you can download them from. Nice, and uh, or you can get the audio version of his of as well, and uh, you can hear the emotions and the laughter and the tears and the anger through uh, Gabrielle's voice, uh, and and listening to that too. Now, are you seeing anybody now, or are they too afraid to approach you? <laughs> I know, right? Everyone's like, "Oh God, is she going to write about me next?" <laughs> um, I, uh, I I've been through a, a wild two years after this, and still needed um, to do a lot of healing on my own part. And uh, there was someone that was very, that's very special to me. That's kind of really stuck it out with me and waited for me to to get my shit together and to get all that done. Um, so I'm happy to say that I, I do have someone special in my life right now. And uh, it's probably, not probably, it's the most healthy um, and secure relationship I've ever been in. And honestly, I never would have gotten to that point if it wasn't for all the, the crazy shit that I went through. So you know, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. I'm a walking example of that. There you go. Now, how does one, I mean, because that's a lot of trust being broken too, and not that to say don't trust this guy that you're with now and that stuff, but how do you regain trust with him or with whoever it would have been of a new relationship? Because, I mean, there was the Europe thing that just ended like that, boom, two days before. Then this other, the husband, the ex-husband uh, cheated and that stuff. I mean, I find myself still a little bit, even though this happened over a year and a half ago, of the ex that I had recently, and I haven't dated anyone since then, but still find I have a little bit of a trust issue in there. So how do you overcome that? Well, I think in two ways. I think in, at first, you know, people ask me all the time, like, do you have your wall up now and do you guard your heart more? And my answer to that is and will always be no. Um, if, if ever there was a time that I was warranted to guard my heart, it would have been after 
I found out my husband was cheating on me. And if I would have done that, I wouldn't have met the guy after and fallen madly in love and gotten my heart broken and gone on a wild trip by myself and learned how to love myself and wrote a damn book about it. Um, (laughs) And, you know, all those experiences make you who you are and shape you as a person, whether they be great, good, bad, or ugly. Um, And the second part of that, that answer is you have to allow the person that you're with to see your wounds and see your triggers and and if they're the right person then they're going to take care of them and and never never do anything that kind of pokes at them um so I think I just have a lot of trust with him um with my heart and he knows everything that I've gone through and everything about me and um and, you know, it's about letting people prove that they're, they're good. You can't project stuff from other people um, onto the, the new people that come into your life because that's just doing you and them a disservice. So would you get married again? Um, I would, but, like, I'm not – I don't feel, like, the need to. Um, if, if we ever do, it, it'll be, like – a party just to have um it's not something you know like I did the big giant fairy tale wedding so I definitely like don't need that again so if I ever did it would be like let me know where to show up and what time and I'll look kind of cute <laughs> <laughs> there you go just say the date time and I'll be there there you go well we'll have to follow along with you and see if that does ever happen down in the future but uh yeah this book uh is fantastic eat pray hashtag fml and you can get it as Gabrielle said that it's available on Amazon ebook, the actual physical copy in your hand for yourself, and also available on audio. Gabrielle, thank you so so much for being on the show. We wish you continued success. What's the next thing that we're going to see come from you after this book? Um, I just finished two films, so those should be out later this year. Um, one's a horror film called Await the Dawn, and the other's a drama called Summer Someday. Um, and, you know, everybody always asks about a second book, and it's in my head. I, I, have, I know what it is. I know how it ends. Um, but we'll see if it ever gets written and released. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, don't leave us in suspense. I love it, Gabrielle. <laughs> well, we wish you all the best and continued success in, in love and in employment and so much more. Um, but yeah, we'll have to follow you along and see what comes up next from you. Awesome. Thank you. I so appreciate it. No problem. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we have more of the Joe Crawford Show, so do not go anywhere. Hi, this is Maggie Roswell, and I do The Simpsons. I do Helen Lovejoy and Mad Flanders and all these different characters, and you can hear me on The Joe Show. And baby, you really should listen because it'll make you very happy. Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, River. Dude. 
How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you here? Course. Who, who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, Oak Tree? Sup? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, Turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Ugh, he's late every morning. You'd think he would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel, has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hello, everybody. This is Barbara Eden and the Joe Show. We're having so much fun here. He is quite a character. Welcome back to the Joe Crawford Show, and joining us right now is, well, he does everything. He sings, he plays instruments, he acts, he produces, he does everything. Like, I'm surprised he has time to talk with us here on the Joe Crawford Show, but I'm glad he is here with us. He has a new single that's just been released. He's also has been seen on the History's hit sci-fi drama Project Blue Book, and he was on the screen on the big screen last year of Cold Pursuit starring Liam Neeson and joining us is a Wesley McKinnis. Hello, Wesley. How are you, buddy? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing very well. And my goodness, 2019 was a busy, but good year for you. Yeah, it was. It's funny. I was just thinking back about the last year. And, uh, I don't know. This time of year, I always end up sort of taking stock. I feel like after Christmas, there's this sort of like blast into the year. I, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, February, I usually end up in like you've you've lurched back into work. You've gotten back into things. And all of a sudden, you have a moment. Okay, cool. Here, here we are again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been a busy run. Yeah, you, you, you've drummed up a good intro there for me. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I, and I try to do our best on our intros here. And yeah, let's talk first a little bit about your music. The The album that you released took four years in the making to come out, Soul. And last month, and we're going to hear later on after we speak with you of your latest single. What, what, what's the latest single? Just Getting Warmed Up, I believe? Yeah, you're yeah. correct. Yeah, so tell me about Soul and why it took like four years in the making. Because you were busy, or just it wasn't to your satisfaction yet. It's a it's a mixed bag. I mean, some of it's being busy. Some of it is things just taking a while. I think uh, for a lot of it was maybe the, the latter of what you said. Maybe not to my satisfaction. I, I feel like somewhere in the middle of that record, I found myself sort of taking stock and being like, oh, I don't think I'm really making the album I want to. I feel like I'm chasing other people's sounds around and not just sort of making the music I want to. There was sort of a big, there was a big turning point on the song um, Never Have I Ever, which came out just about a year ago kind of thing, along with, uh, with the Liam Neeson movie. Um, and yeah, in the middle of working on that, I, I, I was like, oh, I feel like we've kind of lost the story of this song. So I ended up, I called all the guys down to the studio that I've been working with. I called my producer, co-producer down. And I was like, I want to delete everything we've done on this song and start from scratch, which is, uh, uh, I never, everybody thought I was joking initially. Uh, it, I, I don't like to, you know, be tremendously dramatic with that kind of thing, but I felt like we were kind of driving very much down the wrong road. Um, and from that point on, the album felt great. Um, I feel like 
as of making that shift, a lot of the other songs fell into place and we just started making music. Like we threw out the idea of like all oh, making hits or, or trying to please radio or, or really anyone. It was, it was, it was just trying to make music that in the moment felt fun and felt like what we wanted to do, which, which sounds really obvious, but I feel like it's very easy to get away from that and start second guessing yourself. And just getting warmed up. I know you're a, Calgarian native, you're out in Vancouver though living, and uh, and that is that has nothing to do with the cold weather that Alberta experiences during the winter, does it? <laughs> you know, you can read into it if you want to. I feel like it's a good multi-purpose song for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, tell me about how about just getting warmed up, like uh, the 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 how you how you acquired that, how you came about with that. Yeah, I, you know, I wrote that with a fellow named J.T. Harding. Um, in Nashville in like 2016. It was one of the earliest songs written. It was actually written on the same day uh, as a song called Hideout, um, which is also on the album, which to me is actually quite uh, remarkable in that I, I wrote like around 100 songs like that, that were ultimately considered for this. Wow. And seven of them made the album, and two of them were written on the same day. Holy um, cow, wow. Okay. It, yeah, I felt like I guess it was a good day. Um, but you know, it's funny that 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 song is very much a product of um, that sort of change in decision making, and that we tracked a version of it back in late 2016, and then somewhere in you know 2018, like had this sort of you know big aha moment to be like, okay, I want to change a bunch of this stuff, and it was a song that I had taken off of consideration. I didn't really think it was going to make the record. We had a demo version of it, um, and in the final months before finishing the album. Right when we were recording the actual the title track Soul, which is probably my favorite song on the album, um, we pulled up the old session uh, from it, and I was like, "Oh, interesting. I I don't love this, uh, but what if we just t- take a moment here?" And, and I felt like what had happened with it. Um, I'm all over the place, but there's a John Frusciante quote that that I felt kind of guided me on this. He's the guitar player of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, um, and he had said, "You know, when, when you're recording." Uh, what I always like to do is, is to when a new sound comes in, you give that sound the opportunity to uh, to kind of be the highlight. Um, and I, I feel like what a lot of times where, where that becomes relevant is when you're tracking, you go and record a bunch of you know interesting and cool and engaging parts, and then they all kind of get layered over each other and, and stacked up to the point where if you have too many of them on top of each other, you don't really get to appreciate any of them. And I felt like a bunch of my recordings, specifically just getting warmed up, was really suffering from, we had this like super dense chorus and I felt like a lot of the interesting sounds were just buried in this wall of other interesting sounds. So we sat there for an afternoon just like going track by track and being like, oh, that's a cool guitar part. Let's pull that out and why don't we put that in the intro? And why don't we strip some of this stuff out of the verse and make some room for it here? We just kind of mined the song for all its most interesting stuff. Um, It was kind of a neat... Re uh, discovery and that it was stuff we tracked a couple years for, uh, before, totally forgotten about, and got to pick it apart. And at the end of you know six hours of sitting there, uh, we had a song that I really liked. I feel like we kind of dug the song out of itself, um, and yeah, then it you know became like the the final addition to the record. Nice, and we're going to hear that a little later on after speaking with you here on the Joe Crawford Show. Now you made a mention you wrote like a hundred songs when you were down in Nashville there, and how do you pick like the best of the best to be on the album i mean yeah i mean i uh my sort of my thought process on that has changed a bit um you know yeah you, you write a time and you, you i often say way too close to them it's like choosing between your children and and <laughs> so you know you, you want to test it you know or at least i i 
used to like to send a lot of the songs to a lot of my friends and like other songwriters I know and other artists and get all their opinions and, you know, try and find some consensus and, and, you know, and paint by the numbers a little. And I've really now gone away from that, um, in that for the final phase of putting this together, um, you just, I started going with my gut a lot more, you know, like, uh, it's, I've, I've stopped trying to like pick the songs that I feel will be popular or, uh, uh, will resonate with, with other people. I think at the end of the day, all I have to go on is, is what I love. Right. Well, well, I tell you, we, whatever you picked, uh, of, see what uh, everybody else likes. Yeah. It becomes a really scary place to create from because you don't have any barometer. You don't have a compass anymore for what you like. Yeah, but the thing is, you picked great songs, and on the album, it's fantastic. So, I mean, good, good, good picking for sure on that. And uh, and you can also check out Wes on his website, westmacmusic.com, W-E-S-M-A-C-K music.com, of uh, how you can acquire and get your hands on the album Soul and, uh, and, and listen to Wesley's music, along with playing music, singing, writing, you're acting as well. You were just on, um, last month, the second season of History's hit sci-fi drama of, and about UFOs, Project Blue Book and Area 51. Are you a big believer of the UFOs and, and the things of Area 51? You know, I'm not a big conspiracy guy myself. However, they're like, I'm a big sci-fi guy and I'm a big fan of space and I'm totally a nerd in that capacity. I, I, I believe it seems statistically likely there's other life in the universe. So it, like, I can totally get on board with it. Like, you know, whether or not there were, there were UFOs at, at Roswell, I don't know. But like, I think the thing that makes it fun is that for, I think for a lot of people, whether or not you definitively believe in that or not, it's, it's an, it's a fun. What if that's not, beyond the realm of possibility that like, cool. I mean, other life could arrive at this planet and what might that look like? And maybe it looks like that. And sure. I could see compelling reason that like the governments of, of various countries might not want people to be aware of it. It might challenge, you know, religious structures. It might challenge their uh, uh, authority. So all of that is like, it's a really fun. What if, and the, <laughs> I, when I got cast in this, I, you know, did a bunch of reading on it, you know, beyond the, like, you know, whatever you just sort of are aware of as a day-to-day human. And the more you read, the more, the more it seems like, oh man, maybe, maybe something really did happen there. So, uh, uh, I, I, I remain uncertain. I remain skeptical, but I, uh, it, why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. could have. <laughs> you're not dismissing the idea anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so is it a re- reoccurring role on uh, project blue book that you have there on uh, history? I don't know. Uh, I mean, at this point in time, it's not. But, like, you know, uh, I'm one of the soldiers on the base that they're hanging out at, so you never know. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll check that out and uh, and and hopefully for the best uh, get you back on the Project Blue Book and then of course the uh, the big screen that you were on Cold Pursuit there and uh, there was actually a photo of you. It looks like you're all bloodied up or whatever. I'll look like uh, on your on your social media there, and you can follow Wes Mack on uh, social media. Tell me about your character there because you look pretty uh, bloodied up there when you had a group shot there of of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was on the last day of shooting on that. Um, that was kind of a neat day. We we shot all these sequences up in um, in Fortress Mountain in uh, in Alberta. Uh, super super chilly, but that that final day there, that shot I have up on on Instagram, where the studios uh, shot we did that was actually like the interiors 
of the van and you see myself and um, the, uh, uh, Liam Neeson's son, both, both in reality on the film, uh, uh, are stuck in the back of this van, been kidnapped. So we shot all of that stuff with like uh, with green screen around it. That's, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, I played a character named Dante. I uh, very small time drug dealer <laughs> caught in world of very big time drug dealers. So it doesn't go well. Um, yeah, it's a it's a cool. I I really enjoyed shooting that film, and it, like the script on that to me is very. Um, it's like a, it's a black comedy done like quite well. Um, you know, a lot of moments where you, it's so awful that you just need to laugh. Like I, re- I remember seeing, uh, I went to the premiere of it in, um, in New York and I got the, the director were there and all the like producers and cast. And I found myself bursting out laughing in the theater at some pretty like dark moments and initially felt like, Oh, am I like a psychopath in this? Uh, and then I looked around like other people are laughing. Okay. Okay. I'll fly below the radar. Then we'll be all right. <laughs> now watching yourself on the big screen, does that bother you or anything of that nature? You're very harsh critic on yourself or. Uh, I mean, like I've never enjoyed watching my own acting. Um, you know, it's funny, it's different. Like, I don't often, like, listen to my own music once it's out. Um, like, you know, I listen to it a lot while working on it. But once it's out, you know, and I, don't, I don't tend to pull it up that often. But it, but if I do, it doesn't bother me. It feels, you know, like I, I can hear it and go, like, oh, cool, that's a, that's, you know, a neat song that we made. Uh, watching one's own acting, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I feel like the suspension of disbelief uh, is, is really badly broken as soon as you step into, into frame. It's just like, oh, that's not that character. That's, that's just me. <laughs> um, but I, 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 you know, it's funny. I, I remember in watching Cold Pursuit, it was one of the few things I'd been in where I was like, all right, that's passable. That's tolerable. And so I feel like that's my, uh, that's my thing to, to live up to. If it doesn't take me out of it or bug me, I'm like, cool, that's good. I don't need to watch it again. Like, I can appreciate and love the rest of the film, but the scenes that I'm in, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a strange thing. You know, I don't know. So maybe some people love watching themselves in that. I'm, I'm not one of them. <laughs> well, don't ever, I recorded a Christmas album a few years ago, actually a long time ago, actually. And don't ever drive speeding while you're listening to yourself at Christmas time, singing along with yourself as you get pulled over by the police and then try to bribe the police by giving him my album. <laughs> Oh no! Oh my God! That's this is the interview I want to be doing right now. How did that go? I mean, really, it's it's it's, just, it's great optics on that, right? So if you're ever singing to yourself on the radio, listening to your album, uh, just drive the speed limit, okay, Wes? I appreciate that. That uh, seems no. like good sound life advice. <laughs> no problem. Westmacmusic.com, W-E-S-M-A-C-K music.com. Check out his website. Follow him on his social, and you'll be able to see what Wes is upcoming and doing. And, of course, uh, you can also check out uh, through online the last ep- uh, the, the previous episodes from History's Hit Sci-Fi Project Blue Book. Also look out for Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson and the album Soul and how you get your hands on that. Wes, thank you so, so much. We'd love to have you on any time, so come on back. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. No problem. We're going to listen to Wes latest single right now just getting warmed up last call and the turn in the lights on dj start spinning the last song i ain't ready to go you got a little bit left in your glass and i'm still making you laugh saying let's go anywhere but home sweet carolina come get your drink on don't mind the time it ain't time to get gone 
a taxi I see the way that you're looking at me Let's find out where this goes City sleeping while we're creeping This backseat's got our hearts beating Turning me on like a song on the radio And the song goes Sweet Carolina, come get your drink on Don't mind the time, it ain't time to get gone Toss it back and feel the rush in your blood going to do it for us here on this program of the joe crawford show thanks for listening thanks for being with us thanks to our guests kelvin redvers gabrielle stone and wes mack and join us next time for another edition of the joe crawford show and remember don't be ordinary be extraordinary take care everybody